Acts 4, 5 through 12. The next day, the rulers, elders, and teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, and so were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and the other men of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began, (coughs) began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to cripple and are asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. He is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the capstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. In the name of Jesus, much has been done in the name of Jesus. Peter in our story today has been arrested and is answering for the healing of a man in the name of Jesus. He met this man coming out of the temple just after receiving the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And he said to him, he said to him, Peter said, I have no silver or gold, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. Now, for some reason, this bothered the people in authority, the Sadducees and the Pharisees. And when they inquired, Peter proclaimed that it is by the name of Jesus of Nazareth, whom they crucified and whom God raised from the dead, that He healed this man. In the name of Jesus. Peter Peter claims the name of Jesus here for a couple of reasons. One is that it ties in with the fulfillment of prophecy theme that has been going on throughout Luke and into Acts now. In Acts 2, at the Pentecost story, Peter quotes from Joel who said, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Peter says many things that point to Jesus as the fulfillment of all the expectations and that Jesus is like Moses, delivering God's people out of slavery. The other thing Peter is trying to do is to make sure that it is understood that it is not him that is doing the healing, but the power of the resurrected Christ through the Holy Spirit that heals this man. In other words, just as Jesus healed people before He was crucified, Jesus continues to heal people after His resurrection. Amen. So Peter heals and speaks boldly. It's a new thing for Peter as well. And grows the church in the name of Jesus. And since that day, people have been claiming the name of Jesus for good and evil ever since. By the early 300s after Christ's resurrection, Christianity had grown, but was still a persecuted church by the Roman culture and misunderstood as a sectarian religion. 
And this would end in yet another split in Christianity. Because, oh, wait a minute. Here it is. <laughs> Sorry. However, in 312, the Emperor Constantine, before the Battle of Milvian, the Milvian Bridge, had a vision as he looked to the sun, uh, seeing a glowing cross, and these words, Antutonica, which means, in the name, by this sign, win. And so, in the name of Jesus, Constantine waged war for many years and was victorious. And in 313, in the Edict of Milan, religious tolerance for Christians was legislated along with other religions of the time. But by the end of his reign, suppression and persecution of the Roman religions was being encouraged in the name of Jesus. And in 380, with the Edict of Thessalonica made by Theodius, the first Christianity became the only tolerable religion in the Roman Empire. By 1000, the church that had been established began infighting over jurisdiction and power. And when the Western patriarchs unilaterally changed the name of uh, changed the language of the creed. Uh, to say that the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son. They added the and the Son part. And in the name of Jesus, East and West parted company in what came to be known as the Great Schism, thus dividing Christianity into what would become the Roman Catholic Church and the Eastern Orthodox Church. 1000 A.D. Over those two little words, and the sun. On the hills of that division between east and west, the Moors began to encroach on the Byzantine Empire. And so in 1095, at the Council of Claremont, Pope Urban II called for Christian princes across Europe to launch a holy war in the Holy Land. He contrasted the sanctity of Jerusalem and the holy places with the plunder and desecration by the infidel Turks. He caused outrage by vividly describing attacks upon the Christian pilgrims. And he also noted the military threat to the, to the fellow Christians of Byzantine, or Byzantium. Sorry, He charged Christians to take up the holy cause, promising to all those who went remission of sins, and to all who died in the exhibition, immediate entry into heaven. In response, the gathered faithful shouted, Deus Volt! Meaning God wills it. And so, in the name of Jesus began the Crusades. Ten wars fought over three centuries against Muslim encroachment based on Augustine's just war doctrine. And in the name of Jesus... Having maintained power both political and cultural, the Christian monarchs of Spain, in order to keep Christianity pure, in 1480 established a court to inquire after Jewish and Muslim converts as to their faith in Christ. So in the name of Jesus, Jewish and Muslim citizens of Spain were imprisoned and tortured to ascertain their true feelings about Jesus Christ. And by 1492, it was decreed that Jews and Muslims must convert 
to Christianity or leave or die. And that same time, Columbus would claim what he thought was India at the time in the name of Jesus and found a whole new world of people who would be presented with this same ultimatum. In the name of Jesus, Martin Luther would spark a revolution by nailing 95 of his concerns to the door of the cathedral at Württemberg. And this would end yet another, end in yet another split in Christianity because rather than engage Luther in dialogue about these criticisms, they chose to condemn him as a heretic in the name of Jesus. And because of this, over several centuries, people would be tortured and burned at the stake for either being Catholic or Protestant, depending on who was in power at the time, all in the name of Jesus. The conquistadors, upon reaching the Yucatan, brought with them priests to assimilate the natives into Christianity, finding that they had a pretty complex culture there already including a written language. And they began with the destruction of all the writings of the Mayan people ordered by Bishop Diego de Landa and carried out in the name of Jesus in 1562. In 1633, Galileo was imprisoned in the name of Jesus for defending the notion that the earth moved around the sun, considered to be blasphemy at the time. There is more, but one need not go back so far to see the name of Jesus being claimed. 1910, the fundamentalists declared that the Bible must be understood literally, and it led to a movement to isolate those who had right doctrine and isolating themselves from other forms of Christianity, all in the name of Jesus. We won't be in fellowship with those who do not see the Bible literally. In 1925, John Scopes was tried and convicted in the name of Jesus for teaching evolution in a Tennessee public school. In the name of Jesus, women have been told they cannot lead the church. In the name of Jesus, people were told they could not marry someone of a different race. In the name of Jesus, gay people are told that they must give up their faith or give up who they are. And the Baptist church has split apart over and over and over again for such reasons as slavery and over how Jesus would return and over which day to worship and over much more mundane things like what color should the hall be. All in the name of Jesus. Now don't get me wrong, good things have been done in the name of Jesus as well. We wouldn't be here if not for that. You know, the reason we understand the Mayan language is because one lone priest named Bartolome de las Casas held back some of the Mayan codices and hid them away, defying the order from the bishop. And because of those small cache of codices we understand the Mayan language Oscar Romero was gunned down because in the name of Jesus he stood with the poor against a corrupt government we have civil rights because in the name of Jesus Martin Luther King marched on Birmingham so ever since Peter stood before the authorities and claimed the name of Jesus, well-meaning and some not-so-well-meaning Christians have done the same to the point that it has almost lost all of its power. 
In fact, I've noticed around here the name of Jesus gets tacked on the end of things and said almost as a matter of practice. Uh, in, in places I wouldn't expect it. It always comes up. Many are having a hard time seeing Jesus these days as central to faith. I don't know if you've noticed this, but the culture we live in has started turning away and not seeing how Jesus really fits in their faith life. And I think it has a lot to do with what's been done in the name of Jesus for so long. In fact, I dare say that many of us gathered here today find it easier or more comfortable to think about God rather than to think about Jesus. And here again, I think it's because of all this baggage we have. We have all of this 2,000 years of history, good and bad, but what seems to stand out these days is the bad choices we, have, we as Christians have made over the centuries. And what is at stake here is the message and ministry of Jesus who is for us who, fo- who desire to follow Him the very revelation of God to the world who came to heal our relationships and mend our brokenness. It would be easy enough to say, well, because Jesus has been misused over the centuries, to just let Jesus go. And say, you know what? I'm not, a lot of people have done this. Have said, I'm not going to claim to be a Christian anymore. I don't know if any of you are fans of Anne Rice who wrote a lot of vampire books back in the the day. She she reacquired her Catholicism a few years ago. In fact, even wrote some stories about Jesus. And and then in, in a complete reversal, finally just said, you know what, I've had it with the church. I've had it with organized religion. And And walked away. And now will not claim Jesus anymore. She... She's, she loves Jesus and, and follows certain aspects of it and all of that, but will not claim to be a Christian because of the church. And, you know, whether she's justified in that or not, I don't know. But she represents part of a, a thing that's going on in our culture today. Of folks who are letting go of Jesus. Well, I've got to tell you, I'm not happy about that. I'm not happy of giving up the Jesus that Peter stood there and claimed. I'm not happy about giving up the Jesus that healed that man's foot that day. I'm not happy about giving up the Jesus that calls us to love, that mends our broken hearts, that gives us a community and a family and and gives us so much love lavished on us and blessing and grace and mercy. I'm not willing to give that up just because of the baggage. What's at stake here is the claim that Peter made You want to know who healed this man? This man was healed in the name of Jesus. That's at the crux of it. And it seems that almost immediately we forgot that that's what the name of Jesus was about. About healing our our broken hearts. About drawing us into a whole and healthy life. 
mending our brokenness and healing our relationships. Given, uh, we've been given, as Paul says, the, the ministry of reconciliation. <clears throat> Peter claims the name of Jesus not to impose doctrine, not to draw boundaries, not to exclude and not to promote a personal agenda, nor to manipulate people, coerce people, or scare people. Peter calls on the name of Jesus to heal. And the power that people saw at work in Christ is at work in the early church and is at work in us today. That is why it is so important that we claim Jesus for ourselves as well. We as a church must also take care about how we do that though. How we claim the name of Jesus. We are called to heal. We are called to mend. We are called to redeem ourselves and the church through our humble claiming of the name of Jesus in the ministry of healing, in the ministry of wholeness, in the ministry of communion with God and with each other. Yes, we as a church have 2,000 years of baggage to deal with. I, gotta, I dare say we have our own baggage just from our tiny century and a quarter existence here as First Baptist. And it is in our attention to reclaiming Jesus for the healing ministry that we've been called to, for the the, the inspirational, missional ministry of changing the world. Of countering the cultural norms that seek to draw boundaries, that seek to exclude, that seek to judge, that seek to draw lines in the sand and determine who's in and who's out. It is our attention to that and the reclaiming of an inclusive Jesus who calls all to His side that will ultimately overshadow all of that baggage and redeem the church and be reminiscent of those heady early days when Peter spoke boldly in the face of power and said, this Jesus who you crucify over and over again when you claim His name for your own selfish gain. This Jesus, whom God resurrected, continues to be resurrected every time the church holds fast to that Jesus who heals, who extends mercy, who draws in those who are left out and who loves every one of us and those who are not here as well. Amen. I'm going to invite us into a time of prayer, but I, I'm aware that I forgot the Lord's Prayer earlier. <laughs> so at the end of our prayer, why don't we join together in the Lord's Prayer as is printed in your bulletin.
Gracious and loving God, you have given us Jesus and you have instructed us to call on the power of his name just as Peter has. Lord, help us to be humble in this. Help us to be certain that when we do, that it is with righteousness and that it is in the power of your healing to bring wholeness into broken lives. Help us to never claim Your name for something that would not give You glory. We ask all these things in the precious and powerful name of Him who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thine will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.